Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Broadcast Galore, the explicit podcast that matters, and I am your host, Curtis Galore, and you're listening to episode three of Real Talk with Curtis, where we venture deep in discussions on social, world, and political matters. And today's topic is gender-based violence, sexism, homophobia, and racism, with a bunch of amazing individuals have insights and are willing to share to educate the public so please ladies and gentlemen without further ado let us get into episode three hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen you are tuned into episode two of real talk with curtis joining me today we have uh, four amazing individuals ready to tackle and discuss these following questions and topics all right so the first question here is um from your understanding, why do men rape? Oh. <laughs> she wants to get the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can I start? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I think the reason why men rape, the same reason why men steal, the same reason why men harm anybody is because they have been um, taught or rather um, told generationally that what they touch is theirs and what they see is theirs and what they speak to is theirs. So it's that inherent ownership over a person, over property, over anything Mm. that has been transferred generationally that allow men to do atrocious things to women or to any other person for that matter. So I think that the reason why men rape is because they've been told throughout centuries um, that you can rape any other woman and you will not be held accountable for that. So, and another aspect of it is also the level of accountability where there is a gross lack of accountability within society that allow men to do such things. So these acts are perpetuated. These acts continue for generations and generations because they aren't proper mechanisms to hold men accountable for rape. So I think that's part of the reason why men rape. Very true. Uh, may I add on? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, one thing I feel like we need to also touch on is the fact that um, whether it's like brought out prominently or not, that women are defined as communal and not communal in the yeah. sense that it's for the community, but also yeah. in the sense that um, communal also means that you will feel animalistic emotions and actions. So women yeah. are seen to be the reason that a man is acting that way to them. And even it shows in history that when women were raped back in the day, um, if you were married to them, it was like a, no, but that's consensual. And if you weren't married yeah. to them, the man would get yeah. stoned, but the woman would also get stoned because it's like, how dare you allow that man to look at you in that way? You obviously perpetuated him to feel like I can overtake yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we also um, just need to talk about that. Yeah. I also feel like... Oh, add on i also feel like all of this is heavily ingrained with the problem that is patriarchy Mm -hmm. because if you didn't live or if a patriarchal system didn't exist Mm -hmm. this entitlement and this also you know like what you're talking about women and how women are made to seem communal this all wouldn't exist without that construct or that societal you know thing called patriarchy so i think yeah the main cause and it links to everything that you guys all touched on 
is the patriarchal system that is yeah. heavily prevalent within our societies today. Very Absolutely. true. Mm. Yeah, right. So also with this whole speak about society, like how do you feel that's, um, that like society um, contributes towards rape culture and towards um, unprovoking men to act the way they act? How do you feel that's, mm, um, mm, that's, mm. that's a good that's question? The- may I please... May I please say something? I'm really not trying to bash Twitter, but let's talk about mm-hmm. We need to understand oh. that um, when we make jokes about certain things, we tend to normalize it and people yeah. forget. Yeah. And that creates a certain culture. So making jokes about how, um, you know, when like people put videos of how a woman has like... Um, a big behind and they're like how would you act if you saw her yeah it's things like that yeah. it's the fact that why is that even yeah. the thought that you must act they must you must rethink how you're going to act when you see a woman's body it's things yeah. like that and i think the problem is with twitter is that we want to be accepted in society and there's a certain culture that perpetuates rape culture in terms of jokes in terms of oh you know if that was my hun disrespecting women and all of that i feel like it all plays a part in it that's just what yeah. I have to say. Yeah. Um, and, oh, sorry, can I just add on as well? And things like, I know this is such an unpopular opinion, but like rap music, as much as I know, like I love rap, I'm not going to cap, I really do. Yeah. But things like rap mm. music, rap videos, since I can remember, since I was like 10, 11, I've just always seen like, you know, women being objectified in these videos. And at some point in my life, I thought, okay, maybe, like maybe that's what's up. Maybe that's how it is, you know? Mm. small things like that that if you're exposed to from such a young age play such a big role in how women are seen because i can imagine little boys seeing girls on tv like that in these yes you know what i'm saying how that is the way they you know perceive what a woman is supposed to you know be and how she's you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah and even adding on to that chat it also kind of goes back to the educational system you know where for example, a subject like life orientation, you're taught to or in an essence, they protect the man. You know, they protect men in society. And Ello, yeah. for the longest time since I was a child, it was always dress like this, not like this. Because if you dress like that, it might trigger something into the man. Yeah. You know, I remember it was even this debate that I had with my teacher where obviously I was like, regardless of what she's wearing like she shouldn't be held accountable for rape you know that's the men's action and her chat was that um if you wear something short and you're walking down and you pass a a boy right Mm -hmm. his hormones go and then he can't control himself and then etc etc and it's it goes back to that chat where it's so ingrained in these people's minds you know Mm -hmm. it's a generational thing it's a thing where it's not like someone picks this up yeah. when they go to sleep and they dream about it and they wake up and that's how they think. You know, it's what their parents teach them. It's what their yeah. grandparents had taught their parents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which just goes down to this educational system as well. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. Can I add something? Um, I think the fact that rape culture, or not even just rape culture, but patriarchal culture is still prevalent is because I think two major things that I personally have identified. I think that the first thing is creating legislator that actually protects Mm -hmm. women, believes women, Mm -hmm. that actually supports women. I think that legislator is engraved in like it's it's an actual law. So Mm -hmm. there's no one above the law that Mm. 
so also, a constant protects people. Um, I think the second thing as well is the unlearning that needs to yeah. happen. So the social unlearning that needs to happen at a mass and more accelerated right. rate. So the unlearning that men need to undertake, the unlearning of you can't approach a woman and start whistling and start acting like an animal mm. whenever she's present. Mm. The, the unlearning of um, not um, associating a woman with this particular job solely because she's a woman and not judging her based on her abilities to actually perform that job. Mm -hmm. So I think that the unlearning is something that needs to take place because if we have legislator and we have constant unlearning in society, patriarchy will be the thing of the past and then we can start to treat everybody as equals. So I think that's, that's part of the reason why rape culture is so prevalent. Mm -hmm. um, can I just add something quickly? Mm -hmm. um, and what you're talking yeah. about, unlearning is so correct. Um, uh, CK, I think, mentioned earlier about LO. And I mean, if we look at LO, when the very little times we did talk about sex, it was always yeah. sex in the sense that a girl needs to please a boy. You know, like, yes. I was yeah. in all girls' school, all girls' school, and sex, whenever it was discussed in life orientation, was not sex to yeah. please both parties, but it was sex, you know, the guy, yeah. and, you know, it was always aimed towards men. And so that also just in education, the fact that we are taught that sex is this thing that like okay yes I'm yeah. involved, but majority of the time it revolves around the guy and that's even in that yeah. small little like that's so problematic in itself as well mm, very true there's a lot of unlearning that needs yeah. to happen within schooling systems and within like just our society as well 100 mm, percent. yeah yeah right. but then how do you how do you think okay how do you suggest that we about this understanding because like again i'm society major rules people's mindsets and everything because like you can't act a certain way like without mm -hmm. society having to influence you so in order to 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 um like initiate this whole unlearning thing about the things of the past and all like the um, the mentalities that our our grandparents had mm -hmm. and like their grandparents had how do you think um we should go about Uneducated. Personally, okay, Sorry. I don't really have an answer to your question. However, my viewpoint is that what sucks about something like unlearning is the fact that you're not just unlearning, you're also taking accountability. A whole mm -hmm. chat is that men don't take accountability. Mm -hmm. Men don't see themselves so true. as someone who's in the wrong, right? So it's that, yeah. it goes back to that whole quote where it's like, you can take the horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink yeah. it for years 100%. on end. We've been spreading awareness. You know, we've been educating yeah. as women. It's not like no one is doing anything. There's mm. no way you're living in a digital age, especially from a privileged side, you know, because yeah. I'm not going to be closed-minded and blinded to the fact that we there's different perspectives to this world, that not everyone has that privilege yeah. to go on Instagram and see. Let's but those see. who do... Um, girl, I'm pretty sure when you see these posts, you will actually read them. You know, the headlines are I can yeah. You see it or you hear it on the radio. You see it on TV. So really, why aren't you learning? Like, I, I don't get it. What more should we do? Because it's Definitely. really yeah. up to them, you know? Um, may I please yeah. add on? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Speak, speak. No, no, no. You can go. No, you can oh, go. Okay. Thank you. Um, 
um i just feel like especially <laughs> i'm just going to speak from like the perspective of being in an african country mm. i feel like culture is the most prominent influence like i think the problem is, is that everything is just like if True. you reconstruct culture it's being disrespectful going 100%. against this it's like you know so that is that fear and i feel like the problem is is that um yes we're in a patriarchy system but in order for it to be matriarchy we do need the the assistance from men because mm-hmm. legality is a construct of the powerful and the powerful right now unfortunately is like neanderthal men you understand mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. need to get men mm-hmm. who are in that power to help us to work with us because you, mm-hmm. it's 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 very prominent that law is not about justice we have so many perpetrators walking free yeah. there's a rape list and you guys still dab them up when it comes to going to lectures you know yeah. what I'm saying? it's the fact that the bar is also set so low for men mm-hmm. it's unfortunate men can literally rebrand yeah. themselves after being called a rapist the victim is always yeah. questioned. Men, like, men have it so little. Like, they're born into a world where they, they're going to flourish. Because their fear mm. is only getting raped when incarcerated. Our fear is getting raped daily. Literally. You understand? Yeah. It's things like that that need to change. Especially in an African country, it's the fact that it's culture. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the definition of a man, I'm sorry to go for people's cultures, but, like, in the Osa culture, you become a man when you go to the mountains but Mm -hmm. the the painful things that they endure it just shows that in order to be a man you have to be going through all these these backwards things you have to be you have to be powerful in a physical way in a violent way and then you're a man you know and if you don't go through it then you're disgusting and stuff like that and the definition of a man is also just left but we'll get into that Mm. okay um, um, how how can we you know i think the what needs to happen is men need to start realizing that it's not a girl's problem it's not our problem mm-hmm. rape culture gender-based mm. violence it's not our problem it's not us we're not the perpetrators of this and the moment they yeah. as soon as like as long as they don't realize that then you know i don't think anything can really change Honestly, speaking, and yeah. I think ways in which the governments and media can change is, for instance, when they run a storyline in media, you know, she, she was raped. He raped her, you know, yeah. mm. you changing how we speak about these things and stop putting the blame on women. Change the narrative. Yeah. Change the narrative. Yeah, that's true. Um, are you, are you oh, done? Yes, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Um, I think answering the question of unlearning right so how how do we go about doing that and i think that as a as a male person in society there are a number of ways that you can do it i think that assuming that it's hard and and assuming that you can't do it is very lazy and it just shows that you show a lack of initiative into really really um putting in the work to change the narrative in society so there i think there are two ways that i personally feel that we can go about unlearning these things so the first one is in small doses so the behavioral um uh uh, things that you know men go through so if you're in a group of friends and 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 your male friend is 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 really cursing at this woman solely because she's a woman or or because he was rejected by this woman i think that the behaviors that were exhibited in those groups should be called out, should be reprimanded, and then accountability can start from a small 
dose from a small angle. So it's behaviors that even you see on the street, um, when, a, when as I mentioned before, when a man, when a man like just whistles at a at mm. a woman or just calls her insane names because he just you know, he can't handle rejection. I think it's those behavioral um, instances that we need to um, address. The second one is imagery. I think that imagery is the most powerful thing that we have in society. And this goes into many, many other sectors. So the first one is like media. As you said before, that media plays a part in how um, a specific group in society is portrayed. So I think that media sensationalizing um, um, rape or sensationalizing things that women go through plays a part in the perception that women are actually not an issue in society or women don't play such a significant role in society. Mm-hmm. So media sensationalizing these voices and silencing these voices and not believing them is plays a part in carrying this rape culture and carrying this patriarchal culture. The second one is social media. I think that social media is a very, very important and very powerful tool that we use in the 21st century. I yeah. think it's the most, the most yeah. easiest, mm-hmm. the most cheapest, but the most, um, but the most uh, influential. progressive mm-hmm. way, an influential way and the most massive way you can spread awareness about a, a certain situation. Even if you have 100 followers, even if you have mm-hmm. two, it, it, it matters how you um, use your platform and social media to call out these patriarchal acts that are really just dividing us as a as a society. The second one is entertainment. I think that women in entertainment, especially when it comes to the acting industry, they are given roles that are overly sexualized. And if you're not sex and if you're not sexualized, then you are deemed as undesirable mm-hmm. or ugly. Mm-hmm. So I think that the roles that we give women in the entertainment industry, and I speak about the movie or film or television industry because it's it's it shapes our perception of how we view a, a certain group in society. So when you watch Desperate Housewives, mm-hmm. you are seeing a portrayal of women within that society, you know, and how they behave and how what they do and and how their daily lives work. So I think that through entertainment, we need to broaden the roles or broaden the the rooms and spaces that women can take up to 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 um, add to this you know, these many layers that women have. Because the problem is that we think that women are two things, either beautiful or ugly. And that is a very damaging perception to have because women are multidimensional. You know, women have other capabilities, have other potential, have other things to offer rather than sex, rather than just being that ugly designated girl that everyone seems to avoid. So I think that that's one of the reasons, one of the ways that we, we can unlearn, you know, patriarchy and unlearn rape culture. Um, may I please add on just quick mm. sex? Yeah. Um, I just want to mm. touch on mm. same sex schools for an mm. all boys school. I think they also mm. change their construct as and as women. For wow. me personally, I remember in grade eight, we had yeah. a grade eight social, right? And at this grade eight social, the men had to get five numbers or they mm-hmm. were going to get in trouble or whatever. Yeah. And it was a point system. If they got a light skins um, number, it was plus two points. If they got a white yeah. girl's number, it was, plus, mm. white no, girl's it was number. plus three points. And it's that thing of like the hunger mm. to actually get a girl's number. Because now I remember like I would tell boys no and they'd be like, no, 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 no. You cannot say no. So that that 
thought process mm. of like it's it's no or it, it's yes or it's nothing it's it's a problem and i feel yeah. like we also don't talk about the i don't know what to call them but the i call them the watch me daddy twirl girls there's a, those are the girls that <laughs> you know those are the girls that that help um that help these men that say no but also you like you also need to understand that he would never rape you because you're not even that pretty or like no but think about yeah. his there's women that also oh and, and that is also taught in all girls schools because you know you're taught to you need to be a certain way so the man likes you so now mm. they think if yeah. i if i you know speak on his ideology then maybe I'm going to smash. Maybe I'm going to get his attention. Maybe this, maybe that. Yeah. It's things like that. And I feel like same-sex schools really need to do that because it, I feel like it's way more prominent in South Africa than um, co-ed schools because I went to a co-ed school and a same-sex school. Like co-ed, if mm-hmm. a guy asked for your number and it was like a no, he would be made fun of, but then they'd be like, okay, moving on, you know? But mm-hmm. when I went to a yeah. same-sex school and a guy didn't get a number, it was like, okay, but you ugly anyways. And then they'd be like, yes, boy, yes, boy, yeah. yes, boy. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So I feel like that also needs yeah. to be touched on. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Um, just to add on 100% what you're saying, you know, when we look at how to unlearn, you know, rape culture, I think the biggest thing is same-sex boys' school. I think that is, they are the biggest, you know, breeders of boys that are just like, like, I mean, we even see it when you're in uni. You look at the kids that come from those, you know, Model C, mm. same-sex schools, how they, teach, yeah. how they treat the girls. I mean, there's an honest cultural issue within same-sex schools, especially boys' schools, that mm. has not been addressed. And that just, it seems to be, you know, something that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. And I think that is one of the ways in which we can, you know, addressing that issue is one of the ways in which we can improve prove on the issue we currently have yeah mm, very sure yeah and uh also with that note uh most people would basically say that um those boys who go to same-sex uh schools normally um what's it called uporting schools mm-hmm. they might say that they were influenced by their caucasian friends you see because like some might say that like a black guy does not act like that because like he acts like that because he's trying to impress his, <laughs> his pocket to get to a certain um unlimited yeah. friends or gain a certain amount of respect and mostly mm. in these um schools uh you normally see that like there's these are uh, boys and these deeds and everything they have all these rules and all these uh and all these like um i'm like what's it called what's it called initiation mm-hmm. rules and yeah it, that more or less dehumanizes the i'm the i'm the i'm like the gents but then like their reason behind it is i'm trying to teach you to be a man to stand your ground and to be you know truthful have respect but then they don't take into into consideration that like this scars them mm-hmm. for the rest of their life because like because like now like they're going to use what they learned in the hostels and everything and take it out into the real mm-hmm. world so if they don't mm-hmm get something done a certain way they then lash out and react a certain way mm. which then evolves to a whole lot of other stuff mm. and someone might say okay and someone in the previous episode of this podcast mm. said that um men or gents who come from these schools are the biggest homophobes oh, yeah. no, yeah. yeah. I can't even deny literally, that that's, that's not that's yeah. bad literally that's, hot fact yeah 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 but again also them being the biggest homophobes they also had did some gay stuff when they were you know in there because again there's no women it's just gents 
So every night they, you know, stuff might happen. But then like once they step out in the open, they act like nah, you know, like I'm better than this. Mm-hmm. Like fuck out of here, like like Asian. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know. So basically yeah. yeah. Okay, so basically like what my argument here is do we really need to be sending our um our children to same sex schools or co ed schools rather than to just send them to like a like your normal mm-hmm. public school? Uh, so um i feel like like there is like some benefits of going to an yeah. uh, same-sex yeah. school i think if we're going to talk about all boys school the fact that there's um a high range of fraternity you know i think it's, it's the problem is how fraternity is defined you know for them mm-hmm. fraternity is defined on dissing the the dark-skinned women getting white women all of that stuff. And it was interesting yeah. that you touched on the fact that, you know, black men don't act like that. And I think you can say that in the sense that black women are way over-sexualized compared to um, white women. And I know that we are in South African, black people are the majority, but rape culture is most prominent towards black women, especially mm. of darker skin. Because... Mm. Um, I just yeah. feel like because, you know, the history of being over-sexualized as a black woman, you know, having like men only like a black woman because of her body and that yeah and that becomes a problem then That's because true. now you only see a black woman for that and yeah. you're gonna be hungry you're gonna be animalistic for only that Do you understand what i'm saying mm. that's what i feel like so that's the problem it's just that there is fraternity which is good it's just what defines fraternity in those schools is a problem problem yeah yeah that's cool yeah <laughs> okay can i say something <laughs> yeah, go ahead. um i think we i think it's good to send children to see the co-ed schools or same-sex schools but i think it's it's very good for a person to enter environments that are different from theirs to gain perspective because i think perspective is the one thing that allows us to understand a separate group from another group for instance for my entire high school life i've been in a school where it was predominantly black people and half of that population was also um indian people right so uh people of middle eastern descent and then black people as well and then when i went to 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 college for the first time it was predominantly white. Mm. So I had a mm. different experience and I had a different perspective of how, you know, issues of race and how issues of patriarchy are dealt with in those two different environments. Mm. So I think that same-sex, um, it's good to send your child to a same-sex school because if you teach your child the right principles and the right values, they can... Um, introduce those values within those cultures, within those environments that, you know, perpetuate that harmful narrative, that harmful culture. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, it's really good for people to get uncomfortable, to, for people to get uneasy in order for us to truly, truly build steps to mm-hmm. changing the narrative. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, but I and, and I get no, and what you're saying is 100 percent correct. But I also think going to a same-sex school, like I went to a same-sex school my whole high school career, and being yeah. in this environment with girls and really understanding what you know it means to me and what a sisterhood and what like my own self yeah. means to me was so important yeah. because that understanding of myself and of loving myself and accepting myself 
it's so yeah. much easier for me to go out into the world and to go out and interact with men because I wouldn't just tolerate mm. any behavior because I know yeah. what I stand for. Yeah. I know myself as, you know what I'm saying? So mm. I really, and I also went to a co-ed school and junior school and I feel like when I was in a co-ed school, I didn't have that. When I was You're very person, true. Yeah. It's like, you know, if the guy said this, then it's like, ah, you know how it is. And it's like, you know, I don't know. And yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Going to a same-sex school kind of taught me that like, I don't stand for trash, you know, because of the yeah. way yeah. I was kind of, you know, exposed to in that setting. But 100%, I do understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes there has to be that interaction so that, you know, differences can occur and so that we can, you know, figure a way to solve that. So, yeah, it's a difficult yeah. one. It is. It's a difficult one. Mm-hmm. so moving on to the next question uh this is gonna be a very tricky one but like it's more or less gonna be question yeah but like what makes somebody a rapist okay also with that note i'm not done with the question also with that note why is it that like whenever a man says that he's been raped we like we just brush it off as if it's nothing serious but like whenever like a woman is uh, um is raped Mind you, these these are not my words. Okay, this is just words coming from okay. someone else. Okay, they, whenever a man is raped, he's he's brushed off as if he just fell and he bruised his knee. But like whenever a woman gets raped, it's like the like the whole world is at her knees, wanting to understand what happened. They're doing all these petitions and doing all these things. But like whenever like a man gets raped, it's just like okay, what now? Why do you think that is? And also, how do you tell? Okay. What makes someone a rapist? Okay, um, can I start? Ah, go ahead, bro. I think for you know, as a as a man in society, you are taught to be strong. You are taught to be a shield. You are taught to never cry. You are taught to be the strongest person you know. You are taught to own everything. You are taught to be as masculine as possible. So I think that it's different for men when they are raped to admit that they were raped and to actually own the fact that they're raped because of how society portrays men. Men are portrayed to be the strongest people in society. They are, they are portrayed to be people who, who take bullets but still walk at the end of the day. So something like rape can never happen to a man because you're a man and you're mas- masculine. So I think that it's those harmful perceptions that... that, that um, create a difference between men and women when it, it, it you know it's regarding rape and then what makes a rapist it's also what we talked about in the beginning of this inherent um lie that you were taught you know from the beginning that you own everything and everything is yours so when you actually rape you think that I can rape because, I mean, I was taught to own everything. I was taught to be a man. I was taught to be masculine. So raping a woman or killing a woman is not a big deal to me because, you know, I was taught to be strong. I was taught to be, you know, I was taught to be above the law. And I think that that's one Mm -hmm. thing that makes a rapist. Like, why do we keep making this a norm? Like, why do we just keep pushing and encouraging this type of behavior? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we just do something about it so then to then create a change? Yeah. Rather than to just say, okay, no, he's a guy, he's strong, he's supposed to be like this, he's, 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 um, he's supposed to do this. But if someone else was to do it, he's like, no, leave him, mom. he's just like mentally challenged or whatever. So mm. why do we keep making things like can this? I, can I say something? Mm. 
Um, yeah. I think we also need to touch on the fact that, okay, personally for me, um, I was, I don't know if you guys know the house party app, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I was on the house party app and then people were just talking about their party lives and stuff like that. And then this one guy was like, I remember one time I was really drunk and then this woman slept with me. And then we were like, okay, dude, you were raped, right? And he was like, yeah. oh, God, I still smashed. I think the thing oh, is, is that that's a lot thing. of men, when they do get raped, they turn the narrative they turn it into like oh but i still got a body do you know what i'm saying yeah so when yeah. men do come and talk about it in a vulnerable sense then it's like oh come mm. on dude oh come on you know so i think mm. that's also yeah. a problem is the fact that if a man does get raped by a woman it's like oh it's a body or if they do get raped in like a sense that they attracted to that person but property then, you know yeah like they get to turn their their perpetrator into property so I think that's mm. the problem. Um, can I just yeah. add? I think the biggest reason for that mentality is literally toxic masculinity. Mm. It's this idea that, you know, as a man, I like sex is something that I have to enjoy, you know? And I think it's yeah. literally the concept of toxic masculinity. And that's why men feel like it's they don't have a safe space, or not a safe space, but they don't feel like, oh, I can say that I got raped. So the moment they just have to yeah, have sex. The moment mm. they deconstruct the toxicity of masculinity, I feel like then mm. men will feel more comfortable being able to say, "Listen, this is what happened. This is what I experienced." You know. Yeah. Um, and I think you asked a reason why. Uh, the reason why we speak more about you know, or not speak, but why female um, rape cases are taken more seriously than male rape cases. I think. A big one is not to say that male rape cases don't happen, but the reality in our country is that women are being raped at a higher rate than men are. And hence, that's why there is a lot more conversation about women being raped. But I do understand that we mustn't then neglect the fact that there are men experiencing these reason why we see it a lot more and why it's, you know, a lot, you know, predominant is because the numbers between you know women being raped compared to men is much higher so i think that would be the you know the main reason as to why we see a lot more of that in media than you know of men getting raped i think it's also because there's not a lot of men that speak out like with the hashtag Mm -hmm. i was there was mostly women that were speaking out and then there were like a few men that spoke Mm -hmm. out but i don't know if you guys read those comments like some of those comments, especially towards the men, was very like, mm. was very like, you should have just gone to prison if you wanted to get raped, or like, yo, that's gay what? stuff like that, you know? That's okay. gay. Like, that's yeah, that's the one. So that's so bizarre. It, it's like, um, you see, so the problem is that because it's it's like we have to understand it's twenty twenty. It's really new. It's a new thought and idea mm. that men get raped. As much as you can be like, no, but men get raped as well. It's it's still new. It's still very new compared to women. Like historically, it's always been documented about women just enduring this. But for men, it was like yeah. because they changed the narrative. So I think it's only now that men are starting to speak up and be like, okay, you know what? I was raped. You know? And I know some men who have been raped and been like, That's why I hate um, that's why I hate homosexual men. Like, what? Things like that. Yeah, yeah there's like there's like a sorry to can i just add a couple of just a a moment i think that there's this weird perception 
and there's a correlation between rape and sexuality mm. and it's like yeah. I didn't ask to be raped, so why are you categorizing <laughs> yeah. me to be this particular, you know, mm, sexuality? Exactly. And it's so weird. Yeah. 100%. Um, can I just add something quick? I, I think it's super important, though, that, as you're saying, uh, Zanile, that it is, it's new, you know, in, uh, not new, but I think it's not, it wasn't as talked about. And I think mm, it's super important yeah. for there to be, like, for instance, I don't know if you guys watched 13 Reasons Why, but, you know, one of the characters, Justin Foley, um, you know, they, they shared the story about how he was abused as a kid and how that really affects, you know, a boy growing up. Mm, and I thought mm. that was so important and it was so important to see on mainstream media, seeing this yeah. male, you know, really experiencing all of these things. And I think we need to be more exposed to that because I do think there are a lot of guys that do go through a lot, but just because of that whole toxic masculinity you know, concept and that that we have, yeah, it's not they don't feel yeah. safe and it's not a safe space for them to, you know. So I do think that there's room for improvement when it comes to that. Can I quickly yeah. just touch on something about rape that people tend to neglect? Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that obviously, you know, rape it's they didn't ask for it and it's a forceful act. But mm-hmm. you need to understand that sex is also biological. And a lot of the times, like for when women get raped, they, they still, mm-hmm. um, you know, they still get wet and stuff like that. And that is why rape is such a, um, a mind fuck because yeah. you, still, you still like, you know, um, get turned on by that. Well, not like that you wanted to, but you still get turned on in that sense. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I just want to touch on that because um, at our, my, my brother's school, right, there was this grade eight who they they stuck a pencil like a piece behind a matric did that to him what? and because he moaned they were like oh he whoa, wanted whoa. it you see what i'm saying no 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 type of thing so i think it's a thing the and fuck? you need to understand that for men guys like um your soft spot is literally in your it's literally in your behind yeah. so mm. you know what i'm saying so um <laughs> so i'm just saying that um a lot of the times because um a rape victim will moan even if it's out of their control it's yeah. that thing of like okay now this is how i know that they wanted it but for women it's you get you get more coddled in the sense that like oh my gosh i'm so sorry that you felt that you wanted it but for men it's like if you wanted it if you moan it's because you're gay so yeah so then it's it's excused Mm. yeah Mm. yeah Mm. can i just touch on the like the previous question where i think the previous um participant like talked spoke about i'm 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 sorry i don't really know your name (laughs) but the previous uh, speaker spoke about the fact that safe spaces for men but I'm like, how can we expect safe spaces for men if mm. we don't create them first for women? You know, true. Mm. Oh, yeah. so true. we can't expect change yeah. for men Until... when there's a disproportionate rate of women being raped. So we can't start at the at the yeah. like at the bottom mm. and then work our way up to true. the top. We need to start 100%. at the top and then dismantle that system. Mm. Because I truly, truly feel that the same people that also rape women are the ones that also rape men. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Please speak so on it. The, so, the, the, so if we are tackling the people that rape women, we are systematically attack, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tackling the people who rape mm-hmm. men as well. 100%. So it's that culture, it's that ideology mm-hmm. that I need to rape you, I need sex. Sex is something that is 
that needs to happen to me. I need to have it. I need to enjoy it. Whether you enjoy it or not, it doesn't really matter to me, but I need to have sex. So I think that we need to tackle women first before we tackle women. I mean, yeah. men. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Oh, 100%. Hundreds. Okay. So also again, jumping over into the uh, next topic of... um homophobia and sexism mm. so question is um when uh, personally as my guests personally on your own level how do you feel about members of the lgbtqi community and do you feel that they are treated just as um ungodly as rape victims or are they more like a light <sighs> oh this question is tricky eh? I, oh, there's so I many think, loopholes sorry, to this yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i feel like if i could i just want to like i think the biggest thing within for pe- members of the lgbtq community is i think it really depends in the atmosphere and in the space that you're in because i think yeah yeah i don't know i think when you know being in a space with a lot more liberal minded and liberal thinking people the vibes are obviously going to be different from let's say if you go to like i don't know like somewhere where people aren't as liberal if that makes sense i i honestly think it really it's 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 such it's a difficult question because it can be unpacked in so many different ways because i would say from the two experiences that you know i've seen being with you know liberal people in an environment where there is liberal behavior compared to an environment where there isn't you know the attitudes would obviously be very different yeah. Um, can I please just touch on rape culture correlating to um, the LGBTQ community? I think the problem is that when, I don't know if you know, but there's something called correction rape. So it's like, I feel like with when, when you are a member of the LGBT, if you're lesbian or gay, when you get raped, it's because they want you not to be lesbian. They want you to not be gay so you can learn. Do you know what I'm saying? The conversion. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. conversion that thing yeah, like yeah. i think we really need to like touch on that like i'm i'm, I'm hearing your question but i'm not gonna lie i'm, I'm dodging it because i don't want to say something backwards <laughs> by mistake yeah but yeah i think we um, need to talk on that um i think regarding the lgbtq community and the rape culture i think that if the correlation i would identify is vulnerability so it's seen in society because society try, tries by all means to avoid vulnerability and avoid emotion and avoid being yourself. So I think that the LGBTQ community has been brave enough and vulnerable enough to say that this is me and this is you know mm. who I am and this is the people that I love, but it doesn't really define who I am. And also with, cult- with rape culture, where it's vulnerability that prevents people from speaking out or it's vulnerability that prevents people from believing the woman the first time they say that they raped. So I think it's vulnerability, the correlation between the two. But we also need to understand the fact that there's a distinction between the two. One is a crime. And then secondly, the other one is is just being yourself. You understand? So rape is a crime. And I think it should be taken as a crime and should be taken as serious as a crime. Whereas LGBTQ community is just literally a community of people who just choose who they love, mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. else. 
So I think that vulnerability is the one thing that connects the two. Um, That's sorry. very true. Um, could you just repeat the question? Because I actually like my head is a bit confused. Like, <laughs> yeah. Say something not like I don't want to say something stupid. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the question was, how do you? you personally how do you feel about members of the lgbtqi and the sub question to that one do you think that they are treated just as equally as rape victims or or you know or if uh people um commit hate crimes towards members of the lgbtqi community do you do you think that it's uh it's addressed as heavily as how it's addressed to um, towards rape victims. Mm, oh, I see. Um, okay, so now that I kind of have like an understanding, I think within the LGBTQIA plus, they are even, you know, I think let's say for instance, a lesbian person, somebody that's lesbian, would be, if let's say something happened to them or, or not, or let me rephrase this, trans people, I think within the LGBTQIA plus community, trans people are treated the worst, as I would say in the African yeah. than any other member of the LGBTQIA plus community. So I yeah. think in, if we look at it from that perspective, trans you know, people are treated even worse than how a rape victim would be treated. No one takes them seriously. No one shares their mm. story. No one listens to... No one wants to identify know? them as humans. Yeah. As human Fairly. beings. Yeah. Exactly. So within, you know, within exactly. the LGBTQIA plus community, I think there is that you know, underlooking of certain members being mm. you know the trans community but i don't know i feel like hmm, i feel like yeah i don't know i think that for me is one mm. you know thing that i've noticed a lot like i remember there was a, a school that moved to another school and yeah she transitioned and you know oh yeah and i think the approach that people had to her transition i yeah. don't know if people were just mm. not educated or they just didn't understand but they didn't like i just felt like you guys aren't even trying to understand everything she's been through. Yeah, literally. As, or him now as a yeah. person, you know? And I think there is this this mentality that really does need to shift when we look at, you know, people, trans people within the LGBTQIA community. Um, yeah, so. Um, can, I, can I just say, um, for me, um, I feel mm-hmm. like... I don't have a feeling towards people of the LGBTQ community in the sense that I feel like I don't have a right to say, I accept you. No, I tolerate you. No, like, you know, they shouldn't have to be tolerated. They shouldn't have to be accepted. They're just human. They're just like us. Exactly. And um, Mm. also, I feel like when it comes to members of the LGBTQ community, um, someone said that um, coming out is actually making members of members of the lgbtq community more taboo in the sense that yeah a heterosexual person doesn't have to be like guys i'm straight you know like yeah. they mm. think like we should rather just let someone be like oh like don't like people saying normalize don't assume people's pronouns don't assume people's sexuality so when you talk to women and they say they went on a mm. date don't be like who is he just be like who were they you know and then mm. let them yeah. Yeah. i was with yeah. her last night you know what i'm saying rather than coming out because i don't need to come out i don't need to why do i have to really? explain myself to the world or to people about that i'm attracted exactly. to, a, to a male or a female or both you know like 
that shouldn't actually happen mm-hmm. so i feel like also maybe coming out is just making it more taboo in society than it actually needs to be and mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. the rape culture in um the <clears throat> what you call it, in the lgbtq community is obviously it's it's seen as a different narrative than when uh, a heterosexual person is raped a heterosexual woman per se um touching on the mm-hmm. the story of um, a woman that transitioned in our school um i remember people would still call him um, by his by his dead name to yeah. just kind of bring mm. him down and stuff and be like yeah. Yeah. and I remember this the same person was um, caught for um, watching pornographic videos so they were mm. like oh no but it seems like you only did that because you watch videos of women so now you want to get a taste of that and you know know, it was things like that and it was like Mm. it seems like when it it comes to um just just that it shows that when someone of the um, lgbtq community especially a trans person is raped it's it's not seen as rape it's seen as um a sexual act yeah just that mm-hmm. it's not it's it's really it's like if you even see stories and headlines about um trans people and other people that get raped it's really not like they were raped it was um man slept with trans women for yeah. um for mm. conversion things like that like no yeah. they were raped say it how it was yeah stuff mm. like that it's true just about the whole coming out thing i i totally understand i i agree you know, with what you're saying, but I think in spaces like I'll give you, I'm from Zimbabwe, for instance, and in Zimbabwe currently it is illegal to like you'll be sent to jail. Like that, that, that's the nicest thing they can do to you is send you to jail. Yeah. They might mm, they, mm, kill you. Mm. They can. And for me, I think in a country like that or in a space like that, coming out is so important because it's standing against, you know, this whole system of it being illegal and of it being this taboo. But yeah. I feel like if you look at it in the context of South Africa, where we have a larger community of LGBTQ folk and people yeah. are exposed to them a lot more, I feel like, yes, and mm. in that case, why must I explain myself to you? But I think in countries, especially in the majority of Africa, South Africa is the only African country that has um, same-sex marriages, you know, that are legislative. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's important that within other context i think it depends on the context you're in because i think it's super important for mm. you know people from Zermo. they did a movie in kenya about an lgbtq couple and i think that movie was mm. so important that the concept of them coming out to their parents was so important because it highlighted that this being a part of the lgbtq community isn't any different it's just having the same thing it's never that like it's not mm. different from any other person so i think it depends on the context of which you are in but no fully context, and i agree 100 percent with what you were saying 100 i think no yeah. um but um what i think what they were trying to say is that we need to understand that firstly that coming out was a, a it's a liberal and revolutionary act you know mm. like the, yeah. the history behind it was it was to say yes i am gay what are you going to do about it it was rebellious you know yeah. yeah yes but the but it shouldn't be now so pressurized on yeah. people though you know it exactly. should just be a choice. Yeah. I should I should feel comfortable yeah. saying that I went out with the woman today. You know, yeah. That's what they, that's what we're just saying. So you can come out, yes. Yeah. But don't put such so much pressure. Like it seems yeah. like it's like there's steps you have to take. You realize, mm. you know, there's yeah. like oh, you realize that yeah. you're bisexual. Oh, okay, now you must come out. Mm. Oh, you, you know, it's things like why mm. must there be steps set out for me as a person? That's yeah. just what yeah. it is. Can I add something? Mm. Can I add something? I think you said something very important. I think the coming out process 
for any member of the LGBTQ community shows that there is a, an inherent difference between heterosexual people and members of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community mm-hmm. because of the coming out. Yeah. There's no straight person that's going to go to the mountaintops and scream that they're straight. Yeah. So the fact that I need to prove my worth in society shows that there is a systematic problem in society. Yeah. The fact that I have to say shouldn't have I'm to. lesbian mm. or trans, yeah. I shouldn't say because people who are heterosexual don't have to say. They mm-hmm. just go on dates. They just treat it normally. They, they live their lives. So I think that the fact that um, it, it ties in with a lot of issues that we have. So not only issues regarding um, transphobia, homophobia, but also race issues and, 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 and um, issues that you know, affect women. The fact that I have to solidify my presence in society mm-hmm. is a problem because yeah. I should be allowed to exist irregardless. Yeah. So I think that, that you know, the whole coming out thing that she said was, was really on point because why should they? You know, why should I speak to the mountaintops that, you know, I'm worthy mm. and I'm a person like you? Yeah. 100%. And also on that note, um, I've noticed that, like, people who are always um, talking shit about people who are um, gay or lesbian or like whatever... Um, sexual preferences that they choose is because mm-hmm. they don't know what they speak of, you know. Because like yeah. most people till this day do like still do not understand that like you are born gay, you are born lesbian, you are born yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Now they keep yeah. coming at trying to do all these things to try get you to act right. I feel like you know? yeah. and and like, yeah, and like in my perspective, it's always people in churches who are always preaching about this, mm-hmm. like all these football. This, they're always preaching about this saying that gay I'm like I'm not being gay is a sin that being gay is this being gay is that whereas I didn't choose to be gay it's it's just who I am mm-hmm. and most people mm-hmm. still think I'm like people who are gay chose that lifestyle as they came about in life you yeah. know whereas like they see it as like since some people aren't sure on themselves so and so I like um, most guys like are straight you know, until they like, you know, first have sex with a girl, and then they, even like, they didn't like. Um, then they decide, you know what? I don't like this. Um, like, I think I'm more for guys. Mm. You know, and then okay, yeah, cool. So like, I'm more guys. See, mm. like, whereas most guys just know, like, okay, I'm more attracted to guys than I am girls. Mm-hmm. Then mm. those guys who don't know are just merely experimenting to see. Mm. But why don't people still yeah. understand? I can't control who I am. I can't choose who I am. And also at that point who are you for me to justify myself to you about mm. why i chose my sexuality mm. why this gender why i chose to be this you know and i think yeah. that's yeah. so mm. deeply rooted in the need for control in society in general mm. overall you know like you said for example the church example where um the pastor would be going off about a certain topic and perhaps gay people would be involved. And it's that thing where on the one side, you have a gay person saying, listen, but it's not in my control. I love who I want to love and that should be okay, Mm. right? And then you have on the other side, this pastor who feels the need to control you because you don't get it, you know? In his eyes, it's like, but you're just confused then. Or maybe it's just a mistake. There's no way you can be like this. And it's Mm. deeply rooted in so many things. Something like religion in itself, is a system controlling people, you know? And that's Mm -hmm. a choice. And again, something like racism, where it was white people Mm -hmm. who were controlling black people. 
other people of color yeah. you know it's like this consistent mm. pattern that scene back to the uh the the rape situation the rape the rape case where it's men feeling the need to control women feeling the need to be entitled to a woman's body and so on yeah. it's 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 so much deeper than just a surface level oh this is what it is you know yeah i yeah. feel like the adaptation to your sexuality should be as normal as the adaptation to when you realized you were attracted to someone exactly. you know yeah. exactly exactly mm. Mm. literally yeah so still on this um do you okay do you think individuals who who commit hate crimes towards women children uh being um, domestic abuse and everything um and members of the lgbt community do you think people who who commit crimes against those should be punished by death or incarceration mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Uh, can i speak can i speak on this <laughs> Because I think the death penalty is such um, an extreme measure. Okay. I think that it defeats the entire purpose of redemption. Yeah. The whole reason why we send people to jail is for redemption. Mm. It's a rehabilitation Station. facility yeah. that helps you to re-enter society. Right. So by ending all your options and killing you right then and there, even though you might deserve to die, is not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we need to understand our principles as a country and as a people that we want to be in the future. Mm-hmm. We need to forgive. We need to offer redemption. We need to create spaces for people to change, you know? Because we want people to change in society mm-hmm. and, and, and mingle with each other and really create a safe space for everyone. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to be creating those safe spaces if we're murdering people that we don't agree with? So... Example, honestly, because like I feel like okay, I, I'm not agreeing, no disagreeing. I'm just stating mm-hmm. that it, that this could set an example. Because again, people have been being sent to jail. They mm-hmm. come out and they still do the same. There's people out here who know what um their outcomes would be if they continue to do what they do, but then they keep doing it because again, they don't really face consequences mm-hmm. towards their actions. So I feel like death would set an example for people, meaning. You do it, we catch you, it's child. Um, but can I say something? May I please also, also say something? I'm, say. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry, but I have to say something. It's just that, you know, the example thing, like, that person who died didn't even learn the example. Yeah. They just yeah. got the extreme measure. They died. So they didn't have the opportunity to grow, to learn, to, in the future, accept their wrongs and do better. Because what we want to do for you know as people is to mm. do better i think mm. that's the principle that's so important in society globally to do better so learning your mistakes being punished for them but being able to re-enter society a refreshed and brand new person so and, i risk my case now. um <laughs> i also wanted to touch on emotion okay let me not say emotionally right but a part of me is like death penalty all the way okay and then yeah. i did um some research and we also have to remember who does this death penalty serve? Think about the history of the yeah. death penalty. Black people exactly. were literally put on death penalty and they were innocent. Mm-hmm. You would only find exactly. out 10 years 100%. later. Okay, let's put it into context into South Africa. Economically, yeah. we're in a crisis. It's bad. Like mm. It's so bad. The death penalty isn't a matter of you bring the person, you sit down, you die. It doesn't happen like that. Yeah. It's a whole, it's a process. It could take years on end. Actually, the person could be exactly. on probation for 10 years, you know, and only die after 15 years type thing. And South Africa really cannot afford it because 
our justice system doesn't serve women to begin with. Do you really, really think mm. the death penalty will serve women? Truly, keeping in mind the exactly. people who are in control, the people who sit behind mm-hmm. these justice systems, you know, creating the law, the police. I really don't think a policeman who's supposed to arrest this person, put him on probation, go listen. Okay, you know, the court has said you are going to go in for death penalty. If that's his best friend, he's probably going to get him out. Do you understand what I mean? And that's the system yeah. that we're already mm-hmm. working on with rapists. I, um, I can yeah. literally, a lot of the rapists that are on the lists, on police lists, are not first time offenders. They've just been bailed mm. out. Yeah. Specifically because yeah. they have connections. So, something with death penalty, we have to remember, specifically as black people, it didn't serve us to begin with. How is it going to start mm-hmm. now? Yeah. Definitely. Wow. I'm I like I'm gonna say, well when said. I read these articles, I'm like, yo, death penalty, mm. castration. Mm. But then I'm like, mm. okay, girl, mm. let's think about this. The one thing that yeah. I'm uh, that I don't like about capital punishment is that it plays into human behavior as well. Mm-hmm. Um there was this um, there was this Stanford True. experiment that said that um a power struggle plays into human behavior. So basically students were brought into a prison. Some were prison guards and some were prisoners. And they saw that the students that were, that were playing prison guards, like within two weeks felt, became so backwards, became so violent that they, they wanted to do more, you know? So it's that mm-hmm. thing of like, how do we give other humans some who are probably mm-hmm. not as, who is probably not as um, innocent as the perpetrator the uh, the opportunity to be like okay you must die i think maybe let's yeah. not walk into another type of punishment but let's reconstruct what we have now you know because yeah. it's 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 so it's like why we know that like for in south africa it's um it's innocent until proven guilty right yeah. that's how it is but the problem is is that when you are a victim it's like girl you sure but when you're perpetrator it's like oh no i hear you i hear you do you know what i'm mm. saying and we'll it's so it easy to yeah. like like as a perpetrator it's so easy to go through these loopholes versus a victim so i think maybe let's just reconstruct the the legal system that we have because i feel like maybe up the scale like yeah. what right five exactly. years what is that mm. that's light work that's light work okay mm. because this that's person has a lifetime of struggle because of you and you get five years please yeah and like i also just want to touch on how i really appreciate the fact that you used the word reconstruct because a lot of people use the word adapt right and they say we need to adapt the systems to our generation clearly showing Mm. adapting has never worked like we're still (laughs) in a situation for example we've been adapting literally something as simple as hair rules okay they adapt that rule to black people's hair but they never get it right because it's a system exactly. that needs to be dismantled entirely. Yeah, we really cannot build more bricks on a wall that's already breaking. It's not stable. Breaking. You know, it's not taking yeah. us anywhere. We really need to reconstruct everything, take it down, dismantle that system, and ensure that the laws are putting are being put in place are not only going to serve me right now, but probably serve the person in 2035. You know, or when yeah. I'm God type thing. So, mm, just wanted to yeah. say shout out to you for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right, are we done? Are we done? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, second to last question there. It's uh, okay, actually, third to last. Um, so, y'all have been seeing these, um, these petitions go around there. Eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all these re retweeting repostings and whatever man. Mm-hmm. 
So regarding what? Sorry, regarding what? Hey, I'm gonna get so like you see in these um these like petitions in general, like petitions like oh generally mm. okay yeah okay. so from last year when was it um when was it uh last year August or mm-hmm. September the day or or the time when Winnie was raped at the post office mm-hmm. a couple of days after that um like a couple of petitions were started uh repost went out and everything okay so my my question here is or like my chat here is have you seen any change or any difference since that time to today in regards to have those um have those petitions done any difference have those reposts or retweets do anything to help solve this problem because like all i'm seeing is it's a bigger problem and more still no change Mm, mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't want to take away. I don't want to say, okay, I've personally seen no change whatsoever, right? Because 2% of change is still some sort of change that we're going to have to acknowledge. Yeah. It's not going to be radical. Exactly. Mm. And it's yeah. the fact that just because there are more numbers, right? Rapidly increasing. Doesn't take away from the movement that's happening. I mean, a few years back, I'm not going to say September specifically because that's so close, but a few years back, I personally, when I went on social media, it was never a thing where I had seen so many petitions at one go. You know, when you Mm. scroll on your Instagram feed, when you scroll on your Twitter feed or just um, the retweets, for example, when people go missing and it's like, hey, guys, this girl has gone missing. Can you please look out for her? When people screenshot that, 50 people can screenshot it. And one of those 50 people could literally be like, "Okay, I've seen her, guys. She's safe. You understand what I mean? Mm. So I don't want to take away from that and be like, there's no change whatsoever. However, I don't know. I really... I I think think with the petitions is that there is going to be change. It's just going to be really slow, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But also, I think that maybe we should do more than just sign petitions. Mm -hmm. Because the problem is is now that people, they click on the link, you know, they say sign petition. But then they continue with that mindset of she deserved it. Mm. Or like, Mm. upper perpetrators are the ones saying, please sign my petition, guys. Do you know what I'm saying? It's because Mm -hmm. I think the problem is, is that... Um, petitions have become like a, a shield for the perpetrators in the sense that okay if I do it on social media no you know no one's going to question me no one's going to be like oh but you also you know what I'm saying so I feel like we can sign the petitions but then in society I've noticed a lot of people they um they lack the knowledge to practice what they preach mm. you know a lot of yeah. people can preach about hey listen call out your boys cancel culture nah, nah, nah. but they are the ones that won't call out the voice. Mm. They are the ones that, yeah. that will dap up the rapist mm. that was called out two days ago on Twitter. Fully. You know? Yeah. So I think we just need to we need to sign petitions and more. And I promise you, yeah. there's change with the petitions, but there'll be more change. So I don't want to say there's no change at yeah. all. Yeah. There is, mm. there isn't. Because I know for a fact a lot of perpetrators do feel like their backs are against the wall now. It's like, okay, these things are coming out. What's up? What are you gonna do about it? You know? Mm. Um, also like just I think we need to understand the significance of social media and petitions and posting because if we look at it in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd if it weren't for technology and for social media this happened in America if it weren't for social media and technology we wouldn't have known we wouldn't have been able to do anything there wouldn't have been the world's largest protest ever since 
um, Martin Luther King ever. So I think it is super important to acknowledge the significance that posting and, you know, signing petitions does have. But like Zanele said, we have to do a lot more than that. It's mm-hmm. not just about, it's not just about posting and reposting because somebody can really repost. Yeah, and I'm anti-gender based violence, but then at home they're doing other things. You know, so yeah. so it's okay. it's so important that um it it's more than just you know posting. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You need to understand that a revolution yeah. doesn't take two days, guys. Yeah, yeah, like really. there's, there's some revolutions that yeah. took years, you know, yeah, definitely. years. So, like, we must just be a bit more patient as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, we... oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you can go, it's fine. Okay, thank you, thank you. Um, I think regarding the whole thing about are there any changes in gender based violence, there are changes, but they're in small doses. Mm-hmm. There are changes on social media, but you don't necessarily see the same changes replicated in society. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can, as you said, sign those petitions and be involved in, in in social media. But when it comes to actually living what you preach, it's mm-hmm. it's hard. But what we need at this point is radical change. What we need at this point is accelerated amounts of change because how many more women have to die? How many more women have to get raped? How many women have to continuously be be vilified, obscured um, by society for us to actually have a radical change, a radical movement? I think that the whole um, idea around George Floyd's um, support or the hashtag Black Lives Matter, you know, blowing up because of the imagery that was portrayed. It's weird that when we see men in a very vulnerable and hard position there is a massive outrage. There is massive traction around that. Mm. But can you come? But when it comes to women, it's seen as a norm. It's yeah. seen as oh, mm. it's happening. So let's just ignore it. George if Floyd we compare, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, if we exactly, thank you, exactly. So if we're comparing Unene's story compared to George Floyd's story, mm. it's similar stories in different realms, but there's a disparity in the number of traction that George Floyd got as opposed to Onen. Yeah, so it's about, it, it's about honestly, um, it's about radical change. It's honestly about radical change. It's honestly about um, adding fuel to this fire that's really small, but has the potential to grow and has the potential to change so many people. So I think it's unacceptable for, 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 you know, um, the changes regarding gender-based violence to be so small and to be so minute. I think we need to cheat, uh, treat um, femicide the same way as we treat racism, the mm. same way as we treat mm-hmm. any other social ills. Because when it comes to femicide, there's a lot of resistance. There's a mm. lot of... Um, um, there's a lot of laziness when it comes to that because it's not our problem, it's a woman problem. Exactly. You, un- you understand what I'm saying? And I think that because... Um, I think that the other social ills like homophobia or like racism, the reason why it blows up so big is because men are involved. Yeah. It's because there is a black man there or there is a gay man that is being attacked or there is a trans man that is being attra- attacked, but there is not as much support or as much traction when it comes to female issues. And I think that's what needs to change. Mm-hmm. 
I think also in general, there's a lot of loopholes when it comes to social injustices. Like, for instance, yeah. Black Lives Matter. People can fight for Black Lives Matter, but can still be a colorist, um, can still be um, Afrophobic. Exactly. And it's like, you yeah. need to understand that when Fully. it comes to Black Lives Matter, it comes no. with all the entities. It comes with being, you know, loving dark-skinned women. It comes with exactly. um, loving people um, from, from foreign countries and not just in a sexual way, because I know a lot of foreign men and foreign women are sexualized or, um, or fetishized. Mm. So that also yeah. needs to be what I'm saying. So I'm just saying that, like, when it comes to um, social injustices, we need to see it as the entirety, everything that it carries. Because Black Lives Matter is an yeah. umbrella. We can't, when we say Black Lives Matter, we're talking about Black women. We're talking about Black trans lives. We're talking about exactly. Black children. We're talking about Black disabled people. We're talking about it all. Mm. We're talking about foreign people who mm. are being disbanded in countries that they came to find work and and, and the living, you know, mm. we're talking about it all. Mm. So it's the thing with, with femicide. You can't go against GBV, but then your boys still um, say things like, I'm going to nyam this hand and, and you yeah. know, yeah. that woman and things like, you can't, you can't say I'm fighting against it. If you're going to go and say, but do you see that woman's cleavage? She wants attention. Like, mm. then yeah. what are you fighting for? Oh, that what short skirt, yeah. Exactly. yeah. What are you fighting for? Guys are dropping bombs. Literally dropping Sorry, can I just add? I think and oh my goodness, it comes with consistency. I think there's now this attitude mm. lately of fake activism. It's so mm. easy. To, so easy speak to speak on it, you know? But it's fake. Yeah. And I and literally I, for me I really highlighted yesterday. On Twitter, obviously, there was a trend like hashtags and moments must fall. I was hurt. I was hurt. What? Being Zimbabwean, I was, oh, there was a, on Twitter yesterday, there was a trending hashtag saying hashtags and moments must fall. So, obviously, Are you lying? I'm no. so serious. And not to, you know, I, I understand, you know, that's a whole different discussion, but I think there mm. was a lot of prejudice going on on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Right? And this is also associated with the Black Lives Movement that we've been fighting for for the past two mm. weeks. And so Black for Lives me, matter, yeah? Like, yeah, we've been talking about all of this, but now that it doesn't really affect you directly, you know, obviously because most of the people on like South African Twitter are South African. So now that it doesn't affect you, you know, I'm not going to say anything. And it, it comes with that fake activism where mm. you're really just choosing what you want. You're choosing when... And when to fight. When they matter. That's self-interest. Exactly. So even when it comes with men as well, within the gender-based violence, you know, fight or Black Lives Matter, you can't fight for Black Lives Matter because that's, and not fight for gender-based violence because that's self-interest. That's not activism. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think people really need to look at themselves and think, am I self-interested or am I an activist or am I someone that cares? Mm. very true you might not be able to empathize but can you properly sympathize yeah though? yeah 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 that's true yeah okay so okay i'll speak, I'll speak. I'll speak. <laughs> no no go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay now because like um i'm literally on twitter right now looking at these posts it's it's, it's really appalling what people are saying actually and like mm-hmm. All the excuses are, are are on about how we are taking their jobs, yes. as how these jobs like people who live in South Africa who are born in South Africa, as if they came here to steal jobs. Truly. Like that's the they, funniest they, thing like, I've heard. Literally... Because your ass was sitting down 
exactly. before these people I came was to this country. Now they have come and, now you and want to cry. still don't have a job. I don't understand. Now you want to cry. I really don't. <laughs> that, yeah. that and the job thing is, was never an idea, so please literally, stop it. Exactly. The hate is going to exactly. the wrong person. You're literally people. hating Thank the you. wrong Thank people you. overall. Wow. Come on. Yes. How are you going to call someone Thank from Zim? I've actually never understood the concept of calling someone from Zim or someone from um, Nigeria, for example, a foreigner. Do you understand what I mean? Like, that that doesn't yep. make sense. Mm. That really doesn't make mm. Stop looking at them. I think it's because there's, a, there's a deep connotation to it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fully. Mm, the con- but then the that's connotation something that to needs, it. That's something that needs to be dismantled because mm. who is that serving? Mm. The minute someone has foreign, it's like, you're not necessarily you're accepting them. Exactly. Yes. The exactly. It's like, get out. Literally. 100%. And mm. I, I, I know yeah. we're talking about GBV, but can I just quickly touch on xenophobia and Afrophobia because it's really Please, something dear yeah. to my heart. Please. Yeah. I find it very rich, Please. especially for Africa, that they hate Zimbabweans and Nigerians and mm. Zambians and all of these people when during the apartheid regime... No. Your fellow Mr. Nelson Mandela, where, where was he exiled to? Thank you. Oh, did Honey. he go to America? No, but did he Honey. go to America? Like, all these freedom fighters, when they were exiled, where did they go? And not only did they just stay there to get weapons, they were educated. They were, they were households. Exactly. They had jobs. They had everything. Everything that now Zimbabweans and people from other foreign Af- African countries are coming into South Africa to do. So now that the apartheid regime is done, now you're going to turn your, your back against them. And just to yeah. touch on it, um, is that it's funny is that GBV only exists when it comes to a man who is Nigerian. A South African man will rape a woman and it's like, oh, dude, when is the PS5 coming out? A Nigerian man rapes mm. a woman and it's like, you know what Nigerians yeah. must fall? They must really leave our country. Mm. They're hurting our women. And majority of these cases mm. are South African men, but you guys That's will protect South African Don't men. It's because you always want to find excuses to hate yeah. your fellow brothers and sisters because now that you've cast away um, Nigerians and Zimbabweans and all of that, do you think that you as a black person are going to matter in South Africa? Mm. like mm. your life is so South, yeah i think south africans have this weird idea that they're somehow superior yeah. to every other country in africa because we're one of the most developed in a shag. yeah, yeah. Mm. because we more because of the fact that we more um developed in other countries doesn't necessarily give us the the, the right. platform to yeah. to say that we're better than other countries or to say that my life met, matters more, more than, than your life. life. Yeah. And I think that the problem with black people in general is that we haven't gotten the time to strategize. Yeah. We truly haven't gotten the time to sit down and really discuss our objectives, our aims, and what we hope to achieve to create a space for black people to coexist from mm-hmm. every other country. And as you spoke about connotation around foreigner, because if a US person comes in here, they're not seen as a Exactly. It's, it's and with the it's very Afrophobia. definition. Yeah. And the very definition of a foreigner is a person who doesn't come from that country. So a US person is a foreigner, a British person is a foreigner. Literally. And a Zimbabwean mm. person is a foreigner, but they're not put in the same standard. Mm. So I it's just it's just bizarre to me how we, we lack strategizing it's, as black people. And it's also like again, this is not something that's obviously surface level. You know, there's so many things that are rooted to these things so for instance um the the mindset that's fixated in a lot of south african black men right where they see um someone that's not from south africa as a threat 
wasn't necessarily just installed again like they went to sleep they woke up today they're like you know what i i hate everyone it's also Mm -hmm. the oppressor has done this thing where you don't see the person who made the most damage as the person who should be held accountable. It's everyone exactly. also in the mind. It's exactly. also in the mind. And you literally, you mm. look to a white person and you're so inspired. You know, you have this white yeah. person who's a billionaire. You'll be like, you know what? I, I look up to you. I, I want to be like you one day. What a, what a, what a. You have a black man white who's approval, not yeah. from South Africa, who's the, on the exact same page or exact same level. And you're automatically like, no, that's a threat. So yeah. yeah. I see mm. you Black like South Africans mm. are really pawns in um, perpetuating Eurocentric ideology. Exactly. And it's a problem. Exactly. It's a problem. Exactly. 100%. 100%. And I was, I was speaking to a friend of mine about, you know, everything yesterday. And she said to me that, I mean, but if we look at, if we really dive deep and look at it, even within South Africa, tribalism is also something quite prevalent. Like she was telling me that just... Just in general, she was saying that she's from Limpopo and in Limpopo mm. they have petty people, vendors. She was saying her parents stay on a daily basis saying, yeah, no, petties are better than vendors and that's fact. Like her parents, she said yep. openly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's said openly. It's not something that's a shock. And her parents literally believe that petties are better than vendors and that's on fact, you know? So yeah. A lot, and, yeah. Are, a lot of these issues, if we look at it, tribalism, Afrophobia, like they're all so deeply rooted and they're mm. all things that we really need to fix and and it comes back yeah. to as black people things that we need to discuss things that need to be spoken mm. about things that need to be fixed because you see them progressing into other things all the time yeah mm. and the funniest thing i feel that perpetuates those kind of acts is um you know humorizing it you know mm in jokes Mm -hmm. or in passing comments that are somehow seen as humorous. And I think that we condone such acts because it's, it's satirical because it's put in a way that is going to make us laugh before it makes us think. So I think, I think that we need to stop um, because in, in a, in a racist, in a, in a, in a racial um, discussion, it's called microaggression. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's the same way in in it plays the same role in terms of you know afrophobia yeah. it could it could be called the same thing because this is a microaggression it it's small doses of the same virus Fire. so i think that you know we need to stop you know with these humorous um um you know angles that we take when it's when you know for a fact it's a jab yeah literally so, yeah. um i did a uh Yeah. <laughs> 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 became quiet. <laughs> and then well, 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 well. Next question. Yo. Yeah. People just need to stop with this whole racism bit like, towards black people as well. Because, mm. like, you can't be screaming Black Lives Matter and then still be on some Zimbabwe's must fall. Because yeah. we're all black lives at this point. Like, like everybody's like that. Right? And another thing I think I need to add as well is that they think because you're black, you can't be racist against your own race. It's called yeah. inter... It's called... um, What you call it? Um, racism within the race. 
So you can't be fighting for your life, but then not fighting for another person who looks exactly like you, you know? And it's weird because it's still racism. It's still a form of racism. That's just divide and conquer. Exactly, exactly. That's really just divide. That's really just the white man. Like, that was their main aim. Divide Mm. and conquer. Divide and conquer. Black people against them, they'll never know their full power because they're going to be too busy killing each other. And, and black black people people continue exactly. black you people continue it. Exactly. You continue it. So smart. Like black people literally not even we just the privileged so ones. So much. Bro, we have exactly. so much talent. <laughs> taste. We have but taste. we'll never know it because we're too busy fighting our fellow exactly. brothers and sisters because of exactly. the black passports. Literally. And, we, but, and can we can one thing as well. Yeah. Is that we do need to hold ourselves accountable because I look at the rest of Africa, I look at how Kenya, my mom is in local development for Africa, and I look at her and I look at the presentation she does. And guys, other countries in West Africa and East Africa, Kenya, for example, is surrounded by countries like Rwanda mm. and Congo, which have a lot of wars. Yeah, and the Kenyan policy is come, come if you guys need help, come. Mm. Mm. Even though Kenya is not as half as resourceful in terms of finance yeah. as South Africa, there's that you know togetherness that comes within West and East Africa. So I don't understand what one here in Southern Africa. That's mm. what I want to like. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I really don't know mm. what it is. Yeah, it's true. I like. I don't know, and I think it's. So- this deserves its own podcast. Hey, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. It, it. <laughs> so, so, so for now, let's just cut it there. We'll have another podcast coming up because already we've we've we peaked over the hour. So. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let me just ask the final question because, like, the second last question is gonna dabble on for like another thirty minutes. So, final question here. Where is the final question? Lamar. I, I was just looking at it. Okay, yeah, so besides... Oh, okay, so like is this a sign? Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so we, so we basically just answered this question. Um, hey! Okay, so... Um, I'm just going to make up a question. So, uh, where's my thing? Hey, Marawisi King, Joe. Labuwa, man. <laughs> okay. May I ask a question? Um, yeah, please, please. Um, I just want to know because it's really not touched on, but I just want to know, like, how do you guys feel about how African homes actually do perpetuate GBV? Mm. I feel like it's not touched on enough. It's oh not. <laughs> so, oh. if you guys can please share, if you guys I have please can share about this, I have. Um, can I? S- oh, sorry, it's fine. I think. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll say something quick. I'll try to say something quick. Um, I think we perpetuate um, GBV through silence, through yep. not calling things out for being what it is. I think we perpetuate it by not discussing it in our homes, in our safe spaces, in our small spaces. I think we perpetuate it not necessarily by doing the action of actually, you know, killing women or raping women, but being silent about it. And I think that silence at this mm-hmm. point is the enemy of progression. And we need totally. to progress, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that in your small spaces, in your homes, 
educate your children, educate your boys on how to treat women, educate your women and how to, mm. in how to, um, what you call it, and how to not dumb themselves down when they come to environments where, you know, they are predominantly men. And I think that it's so weird how we train black men to act in spaces where white people are is the same way we treat women and how to act in places where men are, you know, mm. don't wear long skirts or cover your, your, your breasts. And you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to um, dumb yourself down or restrain yourself in those environments. So Literally. I think that discussion and talk, mm-hmm. talking about it um, breaks the cycle of perpetuating it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, Go please. Anything you want. (laughs) I feel like, especially like extended family. I feel. I remember growing up, my aunts and uncles would always go to my parents and say, "Oh, but you know, Tanatsu was so like she's so this and she's so disrespectful and she doesn't want to go in her knees for water Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to do yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a cultural thing of having to go in your knees to pour water when guests come. That's a that's a thing. And I, I, my parents were really. I was fortunate enough that they never like forced us into doing that. But I think. African aunties. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. No. It really you feel as a woman that you're yes. this. Or maybe not say all of them, but African aunties that I've had, you know, really made me feel like my my my, my purpose on this earth is to really be and serve a the submissive man. individual. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that submissiveness, you know, really thinks with patriarchy. And, and you're, um, you know, I think they're the biggest you know, perpetrated of all of this. Just the way in which they really mm. make you feel. Yeah. You know? Can I just talk about it also? Um, in a lot of African cultures, especially like with my family, is that when you have a son, especially if he's the firstborn, he can do nothing wrong. He mm. can never do anything wrong. And okay. everything will be given to him. So in the home, if you are taught that everything that you take is yours, you're obviously going to have that mindset that yeah. I'm going to take my power away from this i'm going to take the power away from this woman and you know do all these violent things because i deserve it it's given to me your body is given to me yeah. because i like it do you know i feel like yeah. let's talk about how mm-hmm. sons are trophies to the fullest extent in african yeah. homes and it really yeah. does perpetuate gbv in the sense that it's like whatever i say yeah whatever mm. you know i'll never be held accountable because yeah. Yeah. I, I think also that's how also the um a lot of the men that will call out on the rape list you know they will never take accountability because it's probably the, their moms they're saying yo son go do defamation of character and don't mm. worry it's not your fault you know and also the defamation yeah. of character chats I think someone really defamation of character to... means that um, what's being said when I is spoke false. on your character is false. Exactly, mm-hmm. and in most so cases, if I say you are a rapist yeah. and you are, then yes, it's not That's defamation of character. You exactly defamation of character. Call it what it is, yeah. Dude, your your, your little lawsuit exactly. notes on um on what iPhone does not scare me. Stop it. <laughs> it does <laughs> not scare me. Literally. Stop it. <laughs> And your mom can DM me. It's oh, she can call me. It's okay. <laughs> and your lawyers can call and it's me. Okay. It's okay. Because they're forgetting yeah. that a lot of these victims have cold-hearted facts. Mm. And actually, now that we're talking about this, it's actually so yeah, agitating to 
think about it that the justice system makes it so easy for someone to use defamation of character just like that. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? South African yeah. law is it's so, so slow. Yeah. It's 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 still Whoa. it's still Roman law. And that's the problem. The yeah. fact that South African law is still Roman law, but a yeah. lot of a lot of these things are like not. It's not like a, let me say it's not reconstructed in terms of South Africa. Mm. You know, because obviously you know we were colonized by the British. You yeah. know, they still have their ways. They still have how they do things. Like law in different. It's law is different in every country. Mm. You know, but mm-hmm. I feel like the white man's hand still has power in South African law. And South Definitely. Africa's educate like educational system Edu- as well. Yes, all of these things. Mm. I feel like that's it's, it's really just a problem because for me, the reason I'm so big on cancel culture is because I've seen it with um. Sorry for calling out names, but what is it? Vice Timbiso, hello Timbiso, whatever his name is, is Tay. He was cancelled. Yeah. Was ca- nicely cancelled, but then the yeah. rest. Mm. But then there is exactly mm. that's no, why I'm gonna keep going I, on cancel culture because I, I can like see you guys can do it. Mm. No, true. But for me, I think cancel culture is only effective when it is majority. It's, you know, yeah. it's being applied to everyone when it's consistent. The problem is it's not consistent. I always say this is my biggest chance. If we can cancel R. Kelly, exactly. we can cancel exactly. that's just fact. I exactly. that is a um, as long as it's not consistent then i don't i struggle to support it because because he stopped producing music let's be honest yeah yeah truly he didn't bring anything to society so they were like oh oh, yeah you can that's why chris brown still produces music so they're like no and he still dances when he's an icon exactly it's you know what i'm saying and 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 that's still on billboard charts that that Mm. specific soccer ball player whose name i'm not (laughs) going to mention because it just gives me so much stress but also that one you see how people are so selective with him in general as well and they're so defensive how is he yeah. the gold? No, <laughs> truly. Mm, it's as if I they're getting to, yeah. paid for his PR. I really am so yeah. confused because every single boy that's on my contact list, for example, would rather speak out on the fact that his name was being mentioned and maybe it's a false allegation, whatever the case is. But then when it's time yeah. to repost or sign a petition or it's time to talk about gender-based that's violence, so what are you doing? Nothing. Mm. Please. I think I think I think I think yeah. part of the reason why that's happening is also because people think that the more severe the crime the more severe the punishment mm. so if yours is in small doses then you mm. won't need to be publicly shamed you won't need to be held accountable and i think that's a very harmful idea because it still allows the same acts to be done in small doses so if i mm. kill a woman i'll be in prison but if i beat a woman domestically then what are my repercussions or if i mm. you know and Question. you know if i you know, uh, insult a woman. What are my repercussions for that? So I think that it's the smaller the crime, um, the smaller the chances of us seeing it, and then we know we just ignore it. Mm. And I think that's men a problem. in power Believe. have a very easy way of rebranding. Yeah. Yes, exactly. A lot of these men that were called out yeah. on the rape list um have a lot of clouds. So they were like, the, mm. you you look at the cloud before you look at the exactly. action. That's the mm. problem. Mm. Some people that are cancelled, mm. it's cancelled because I actually don't because like this change. Nice. Yeah, let's cancel him. Like you're not seeing that mm. he did something wrong. It's like mm. here's a chance for him to, to to fall, and it's like what? Yeah. No, mm. that's exactly. not we cancelling him. Mm. 
Exactly. 100%. Are we done? <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're done. I think so. <laughs> Can I, I say that. something I before so. we close? Speak mm. on it. <laughs> Go <laughs> I'm here for it. No, I just want to speak your truth. I just want to say, I just want to say, no, this is just a, this is just gratitude basically because i think as a man it's very important to have Mm -hmm. such podcasts and having women speak on their issues and lend an ear to their issues and contribute um by being a proper ally in this fight for you know gender equality so Mm -hmm. i'd like to thank every woman on this platform for you know educating me and educating Mm -hmm. any other man who's watching out there and educating probably even the host as well so Thanks for your input and your contribution. Can I can really I can I just it. say something before like Nina speaks? Just quick, 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 quick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. um I'm like thank you for you know saying like you know thank you for the education but I think these chats must also be had with men alone like I don't think mm. women thank really you. need I don't think our stories yeah. yeah. need to be an ally I think your male privilege should be an ally mm. you know yeah. you talking with your men and calling it out and stuff like that should also be an ally like I'm not mm. saying that like you know what I don't really need to be here that's not what I'm saying but I'm mm. just saying that yeah. we mustn't always just look at women did this thank you so much now i know it's like okay but you must also just take that step mm, that's true yeah 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 no uh, <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no it's okay no it's fine okay everything i wanted to say so it's fine the host yeah that's um the round of applause Everybody, yes. Uh, Round uh, of applause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, clap, 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 clap. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um, the amount of information and the amount of um, yeah, stuff was disgusting. Mm. <clears throat> stuff was disgusting. And I really hope that like this message gets through to people who are hard headed and still aren't you know aware of what's mm. happening around them. Mm-hmm. Bring um, down your pride. Yeah. Mm. Please. Yeah. Mm. Please. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, Tina, Natika, it's our own responsibility to make sure that we educate those who are unaware of what they're yeah. doing, their actions influence. Because in, like, the next episode after this, I'm going to have a bunch of guys to talk about why niggas do what they do and what they I do. I need to be there. Yeah, yeah men must you explain there? themselves. Please, thank you. <laughs> yeah, because, like, uh, every guy who I've had in this Honestly. podcast, in this series is going to be there. And I'm going to add a couple more creatives. Probably um, some famous voices or some familiar voices or might even get Tahokoki on this. Um, I know I sound like a fan, but can I know I'm not a gent, but can I just like join just to like listen? Even if I have like you know some famous voices like in the mouth, (laughs) (laughs) my name floating there, you know, I just want them to know, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's just saying, no, no, no. You'll, okay, you'll be able to listen if I broadcast it. Wow! But for now, it's like pre, uh, pre, pre. I'm um, pre-recorded, mm. so yeah. For future reference, I might just do these things live and just save them. Okay. So, oh, please host yeah, live. So for now, yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So for now, yeah. Thank you for everyone who came in, mm. uh, and then if you, and then all to all the listeners who are listening, um, my guests were. Hey, here's this name. It's CK, bro. Like, how do you say your name, dude? I knew it was me. I, just <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling when it was his name. <laughs> it's Usikelele Kile. 
That's my phone name. Yeah, that one. Yes. Mm, that's a nice name. Thank you. Mm, it's very nice. Mm. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. <laughs> we have three letters on our name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine yeah, too. So, <laughs> yeah. So my guests were Sike, Sike Lelekile, mm-hmm. Nina, Zane, and Boynell. And I was your host, Curtis Galore. And you were tuned in to episode two of Real Talk with Curtis. And thank you for tuning in and, educate, and educating yourself on things you didn't know you needed to know. Mm. Thank you. Have a great thank day. Thank you. Thank Bye, you so much. Bye.